Welcome to Hell's Comic Book, where strangers are a family. Every episode may contain graphic content such as copious amounts of blood, unnecessary cursing, death of all ages, infantile to immortal, fantasy drug use, nudity, and perhaps mentions of sex and sound effects of various worlds. We cannot stress enough that this is mature content with adult themes. You have been warned as well as all the people that were warned before I put their heads on pikes. So last time on our adventure, we followed Asmodai as uh, he separates from the party and uh, gets a uh, uh, participates in a, uh, a squad talk with uh, his leader, Solomon, and his co-capos, Yorick and Raymond, as they go over uh, plans for uh, tomorrow, the day of sacrifice, and what that will entail, with about... Well, being surrounded by a variety of statues that Solomon petrified. As the talk goes long, disappear, and eventually uh, something weird happens with Asmodai as Solomon disappears. And weirdly enough, him and his uh, fellow capos remember Asmodai as being the leader of the Crimson Fist, as if Solomon's never existed. He goes throughout his day and comes to Leo's Respite, as it was formerly known, uh, the end that Leo bought and that Asmodai has under his control. As he's going along, he finds two people guarding what was supposed to be the statue of Leo after his execution and made into a stone, only to have a, a stone hand that remains of the statue. As Asmodai completely forgets about the Leonin Leo, he goes inside, of the end talks to uh, the small boy that I can't remember the name of off the top of my head, but I'm just gonna call him Damien for now. Uh, he talks to the small boy who seems absolutely terrified, asking why isn't Asmodai doing anything about it? And when Asmodai inquires, he loses interest in what he's saying. His eyes glaze over and it's like buzzing in his ear that he doesn't want to hear about it anymore. He ends up going to his bedroom, practicing a speech for the day of sacrifice tomorrow. And he ends up seeing smoke and fire in the distance in the Sisterhood territory. Investigating it, he finds the culprit, our big old friend, our big old friendly bear, me and Ordon setting fires to multiple houses to draw out the sisterhood for whatever reason I can't remember if they established besides me saying they're bad people that need to be killed. So as they talk along, the veil between the unseen public and reality seems to thin for a moment to which me and Ordon go inside and they end up being pushed back out. Then the veil thins again, to which they go inside one more time and see a strange hydra with the head, heads of a human with long, with long necks that stretch like a rat king connecting to one another. And seeing this, uh, when the hydra coils around Asmodai, to which me pulls him in, and Asmodai getting into the Unseen Public sees the Hydra and says, fuck this shit, we're gonna fuck his shit up. You go back out and we start a fight, which we have two fights in two separate locations with Asmodai, 
me, Ordon, inside of the inn, while Mega as P1 with uh, Jean are fighting inside of the Laban estate with uh, Hydra in the unseen public, if memory serves me right. What does me do? Uh, so me, realizing that another head has popped out of the ground, would probably notice that um, Raka is on his not doing so hot, so he will rush closer towards him in hopes of standing in the way. All right. Would that put me in the puddle? Uh, yeah, it'll be right next to the puddle. I just don't want the square to be in the puddle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we see me dash uh, right in front of uh, the Hydra, to which the Hydra's uh, human-like head is staring at both Ordon, me, and Asmodai. And with that, he is going to take a swing with his battle axe. All right. With a non to hit. Yeah, uh, well, natural one. So he ends up breaking the floorboard as the axe uh, goes down. Uh, he can attack twice, can he? Yeah, so he's going to make another attack. Yep, two. He did one better this time. He, again, doubles down on the floorboard. Uh, is Megan do anything else? Um, do we know if his um, if he's still large-sized? Uh, the Hydra head? No, um, me. I can't remember. He would have left it big if he was big, right? Well, it... Yeah, and it lasts for a minute, and it hasn't been a minute yet. Okay, perfect. Yeah. So that will end his turn. All right, we move on to Asmodai. What do you do? Uh, okay, first going to move my spiritual weapon over. Then here, what are these purple lines? The purple lines are the puddles from uh, the heads uh, dissolving. Are they acidic? Uh, no, they are not. Also, if Mii's big, someone should make his token large-sized. There we go. Okay. Alright, so first things first, spiritual weapon attack. It's a 16. 16 hits. Guess that's some force damage. Uh, and then for Asmodai's attack, 24, 12 damage. And then 18 with 13 damage. And then I'm going to, on that second attack, throw on a smite. That's, ooh, good roll. 19 damage. So that is a total. Asmodai raises up his hammer and clocks this thing in the face just repeatedly. That's a total of 51 damage with everything taken into account. Yeah, you uh you bring it like uh past its uh bloodied point. And you see, you do a tremendous amount of damage with this attack. It seems like one more good hit like that, and you'd be able to kill it. Does that end your turn? Uh, yes, it does. Ordon, what do you do? Uh, or, or Raka is going to move 25 feet, and using his pebbles, he is going to make an attack. All right. 21 to hit. The hits? For 11 damage. Jesus Christ. And then I will take my last stone, make another attack. Yeah, that hits. 18. For 11 more damage. Oh my god. That was an insane amount of damage that, like, both you guys did in one fucking round. Yeah, that uh, you guys uh, bring it close to death. It is getting really close. Um, Does that end Ordon's turn? That will end Ordon's turn. All right. You uh, see the Hydra as it looks around. You see, like, its mouth open and it unhinges. And you see, like, a black bile comes out as this head right here 
if I can actually press it, seems to regenerate along with it as if it's regrowing ahead, though it doesn't seem as strong as it initially was. Moving on with that uh, bonus action. Uh, shit. What am I gonna do? We see the Hydra go in for attack against the me. He's gonna try to attack me. Uh, he's going to first bite it, and I assume a 15 would not hit me. No. Mm, didn't think so. Uh, 19. It does not hit. All right. Oh, sorry. That's uh, unmodified. Um, it's 24 hits. Yeah. Let me double check modifier. I think that's 24 exactly. That's plus five. Yeah. So he just manages to hit me. Uh, it does five damage to me. Um, it looks like that ends the Hydra's turn. We move to uh, P1 down in the Lobana state. Then uh, you know P1 is just going to do what he can in this moment. So he's going to he's going to pluck a feather, dismiss it as he tries to uh, once again like uh, grab this thing with a glitchy hand uh, mm -hmm. or chill touch. But a ten will miss. Yep. And. Uh, I think it's the. I think Lebon goes after the creature, right? Yeah, that's great. Uh, okay. yes. So then that will, yeah, that will end uh, P1's turn then. All right. It moves on to uh, the Hydra Head's turn as he uh, tries to strike Lebon twice with uh, two bites. Um, twenty and sixteen. Uh, both of those will hit. Uh, one is nine and the other is 10. We need to do this in steps here. Because mm -hmm. uh, Lebon on his last turn had cast uh, Armor of Agathis. Uh, yep. So the first strike, they take uh, 15 points of cold damage. Yep. And if there's nothing else on top of that, then they'll take an additional 15 cold damage. Okay. And does that uh, dismiss uh, the Armor of uh, Agathis? Well, yeah, that uses all the temporary hit points, but just, yeah. So 30 in total? All right. Yep, 30, all right. 30 cold damage. Yeah, it looks like uh, one more good hit like that, and you would uh, destroy the Hydra head. Um, but yes, 19 points of piercing damage to uh, Laban. Sorry, I, I had to. I had to make a note of this in a different location for as far as like a gene stats before. Uh... Well, since it uh, took damage, um, let's see. What do I got here? Okay, so previously used one reaction. So after yeah, after taking damage. All right. Um, it's gonna wail twice. So uh, make a uh, two uh wisdom saving throws for Lebon. Now you'll have to pause for a second as this is happening. That's fine. Yeah, both them pass. Okay, never mind. <laughs> yeah. So because like I was only pausing because uh, it's still he's still under the effects of bless. Mm -hmm. Does that end the creature's turn? Yes, it uh, does. At the end of his turn, uh, Lebon's going to use his paragon action to make an yep. attack. Great ahead. Uh, I think regardless, it won't hit even with a, a plus four. So now it'll be actual Gene's turn. Mm -hmm. So he swipes at the beast. All right. And then I think what I think what Gene will do then is uh, bonus action, disengage, move away 10 feet, and then try to hit him twice with an Eldritch Blast. Okay. Put it in this time. Yeah, it's in here. Gene cannot roll anything to... <laughs> All right, one of those will hit. All right. So he does a slash, two Eldritch, bl uh, Eldritch Blasts, one hits, does 10 points of damage. Uh, it seems like one more good hit like that, and you will kill the beast. All right, then Gene will go back into his location because he's looking to protect Master P1. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, And that ends his turn. 
Uh, that does, yes. All right. So back to uh, the wild ones. Uh, give me one moment. Yeah, it's not that pretty. Eh, no dexterity. All right. All right. So uh, the other head has just joined initiative. It's going to be going behind uh, Ordon because Ordon have like uh, dexterity at all. Like, do you have uh, uh, any modifiers? Yeah. Yeah. So you beat him. All right. Uh, me is now it's his turn. So what does me do? Well, is me at a advantage position? I can't tell because he's large. Um, it'd be for this. Well, no. Oh yeah, for this one. Yes, for uh the beast or for the hydra head that just took a shit ton of damage. He is in a vantage position with uh Asmodai right behind the creature and me right in front of it. Perfect. So me will take advantage of the advantage and go for a, another um, hit of his battle axe using the, is it, our battle axe is two-headed or one-headed? This one's two. Him being, uh, or me being the monster hunter that he is, is going to flip it to the side and attempt to smack it with the flat side of the battle axe. Oh, like a baseball bat, all right. That'll be 18 to hit. Well, hang on, did you roll that advantage? Cause you might get an at 20. Yeah, 18 to hit on the first attack. Go right ahead with damage. For 13 blunt damage. Oh, my lord. Roll another d6. Cause since me isn't here to, to remind you, as a giant smite, he gets an extra d6 once per turn when he hits with an attack. So plus five more damage. Yeah, so the next hit, if it's successful, might actually kill it. Then after successful hit, me reels back and attempts to fan it down on the creature again. Okay. The 23 to hit. Yep, uh, roll for advantage. Yeah, I assume you're going to take the 23 instead of uh, the nat one that makes it a seven. Correct. Roll for damage. For 11 damage. Explain how me destroys this head. Well, again, me being the monster hunter he is, uh, notices that he has a battle axe in his hand and he shouldn't cut the head off. So flipping it horizontally, he pulls up the battle axe with all his strength and fans it down on the creature's head. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like an anime moment where you see like the tongue stick out, eyes pop a little bit. And you can just picture me like mid-air with all his force lifting himself up off the ground with his legs splayed out. That head is down and it is considered dead right there. Um, You see uh, puddles of water right around it coming out of the hole. Um, and then he is going to use his movement. Okay. Uh, this puddle over here with uh, the other head that you killed is still stagnant. There's no movement along with uh, the current hydra head that you uh, destroyed. Both of them don't move whatsoever. Um, don't forget that me has movement and me can also set up flanking for other people by moving. That's what I was doing. <laughs> I know. I'm just reminding you. <laughs> All right. And that will end his turn. It's a damn good turn. Asmodai, what do you do? You see me take down the head, and there's one more to go, and it seems weak. Oh, uh, well, I just stopped fighting, you know, because my job's done. <laughs> it's 23 to hit with 11 force damage on whip from the spiritual weapon. And then Asmodai will rear back with his Warhammer with a 24 and a 23 to hit just smacking this thing back into oblivion uh, with another 15 damage. So altogether, that's 26. Yeah, 26 damage altogether. You get the feeling that you nearly that you uh, nearly brought it to bloody condition from uh, your turn alone. Is that end your turn? Yeah. All right. 
It is now Ordon's turn. Ordon, what do you do? Ordon is going to move over, and he is going to use his bonus action to find some pebbles and paint a quick flame on them. And you do. And then he will cast the stone at the monster. All right, cast it. 15 hits. For 10 damage. Damn. Yep, it is brought beyond uh, a bloody condition, I think. Six extra damage. Jesus. Six damage. All right. So two stones hit, and the last one does six damage. All right. Yeah, one more good hit, and it will kill. Uh, I s- <sighs> he lost his head, so I I think at this moment he is just going to wail. Uh, Ordon, I need you to make a, a wisdom save for uh, me. Uh, Asmodai, you look like you're within five feet. Uh, make a wisdom save as well. Uh, me fails. Uh, Asmodai also fails with a seven and eight. I'm going to roll for me first, then Asmodai second. All right, so it uh, does five damage to both of you, uh, Psychic. All right, and does that end Ordon's turn? Yes. All right, now it's with the Hydra's turn. Just used up his reaction like a fool. Um, Who would he go after? So he's going to bite you twice. Nat 20. What's the disadvantage? Fuck. Uh, wait, where does the disadvantage come from? Protection from evil and good. Oh, you bitch. Oh, looky there. Yeah, fuck you. Two misses. <laughs> Yeah, not 21, then it's 7 and 10. So a 1 and a 7. God damn it, fucking paladins. So he, uh, I want to imagine that he was about to strike me. Then he looks towards Asmodai, you know, after all those blows. And you just see a flash of anger down in the deep black sockets of its sunken eyes as it opens its mouth wide like a snake and unhinges its jaw to leap at you and it just ends up just biting the floorboard and crunching in its mouth. That was cute. <laughs> so it's uh, P1's turn now. Uh, going back to the Laban estate. Alright, let's see if this will hit this time as P1 plucks, dismisses and rings his hand forward. Natural 20, finally something that hits. <laughs> Alright, go right ahead. Or 22 necrotic damage. <laughs> Explain how you kill it. Yeah, P1 is absolutely tired of this whole situation. And as the glitchy hand just like uh, reaches out and like grabs into this thing's face, it expands further as like another hand comes out of it and then another hand and then another hand and all of them start pressing and squeezing into this thing until it finally pops. You just see the black sludge go from the phantasmal hands and uh, we see like the water trickling from uh, the chessboard from where the portal was. And it looks like since it's this separated from the body between two planes, it just dissolves into the floor and evaporates. You have killed one of the Hydra heads. Good job. Ah. Yeah, there, there's no way you guys would be able to make it over to the end. And since you guys lack those details, I'm thinking of taking you guys off of initiative. Yeah, go ahead. I just like a, a real efficient, guys. Yeah. <laughs> so I, it's like, what, set seven rounds, killed one. We're, we're really good at this. <laughs> <laughs> Super surprising. Actually, I think it was eight rounds. Even better. 
All right, and we move on from, like, I imagine the last shot is just, you know, I know you have a beak, but just a satisfying smile on P1, and we turn to black and go back to the uh, the inn. It is now Mi's turn. Ordon, what does Mi do? Mi is going to finish off this creature. Mm-hmm. Uh, not with roll like that, but roll at advantage. Nope. Uh, three and a nat one is not going to do it. So he will use his extra attack to attempt another one. All right. All right. Roll with advantage. 16, 19, 25 does hit. All right. Roll damage. 1d6 on top of that. A seven does not finish it off. It's so hard using roll 20 to roll. <laughs> yeah. So we see again it. I want to imagine he was going for the neck and we see like uh, the snake head like writhe around uh, the axe as it hits the ground. Then he brings it back up and the act of bringing it back up like smashes its throat as he lifts it back up. Um, Does that end Mii's turn? Uh, yes, that will end Mii's turn. All right, Asmodai, uh, you should be able to finish it off. All right. First spiritual weapon, my, my spiritual hammer. That's going to be a natural one. That's going to miss. And for two Warhammer attacks, that's a 19 and a 22, dealing a total of 14 damage, or 16 damage while math hard. Now, explain how do you kill it? Oh, I'm getting tired of this. And I just rear back with my Warhammer and just smack it once in the abdomen and then uppercut it and just dislocate its jaw. And you do exactly that. And we see with a nice thud, the neck and the head slam onto the ground. And we see the water again, just like P1, it just evaporates. And we just see corpses litter the ground from every person it ate. It is a mound of corpses, a pile, a small mountain. And within that pile, you do see Solomon dead, shrunk, uh, shrunken skin, blackened, purple. His fingernails came off. It's very sad. That ends combat. Well, Oradon is going to rush over to the water because it's still there, correct? It's evaporating, but yes, you can grab some water if you really want to. Well, I already got some. I want to, um, can I throw an investigation check on it? I don't believe you grabbed water because last time you tried to do it, I told you it was filled with blood. So I just emptied the blood. Uh, so what do you want me to roll to see if there's any correlation between this water and what Ephephel was doing? What you could do first is just grab a bunch. If you, you're an artificer, you probably have vials. Just get a couple of vials of it. And even if the water is mixed in with the blood, you can try and separate it later. Get it before it evaporates. Exactly. Then I'll scoop it up. Yep. And I would say, hmm, I'm trying to think what would be the best secondary skill for that. Hmm. Uh, nature? Uh, be, I mean, I don't think it would require a roll just to grab something. No, uh, he can grab it. Yeah, he can grab it. He wanted, uh, like, before you told him to do that, he wanted to know if there's any correlation between uh, the water here and what Ephephel was working with. Uh, mm -hmm. So, Ordon, uh, make me a, uh, I'm going to say, yep, intelligent, uh, intelligence uh, nature check. By the way, for future reference, a way to tell um, between the different uh, intelligence uh, skills is if it's any sort of magical property, it'd be arcane. If it's something mm -hmm. that's naturally occurring in the world, it'd be nature. Yep. 
Um, no confusion with that. It's just I don't have the list in front of me, so I had to go through it in my head, which each one was. But this is definitely nature, not arcane. Um, it, gives me nothing. Well, is that with your intelligence modifier? Yeah. Yeah, no. It's, it looks like the water in the ocean and the same stuff if Ethel was working with. So, you know, with, by that logic, you can see it came from the ocean, maybe? Save it, bring it back. Also, there's your corpses. Yeah, there's a lot to choose from. If you touch that one, I break your hand. Oh, you beat me to it. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> I forgot about that. So, so you probably see Oridon going for Solomon, and as he Asmodei say that, he just grabs the next nearest body. Mm-hmm. And you do. Uh, so what do you guys do right now? I would look to me for what to do, so I guess I'm looking to Asmodei now, since me's brain dead wait that's a new occurrence well let me uh tell you guys uh one thing so looking at the map uh you do see a lot of uh flooding water um i actually prepped up something just for you guys what's with all the me's on the map yeah can we clear that yeah i will it's because he had too much fun while we were talking one day you see this uh ignoring the territories for now uh you see that the flood is making its way up in the uh, blighted slums, taking down a lot of houses. We see that it spreads to where the King's Gambit, uh, like uh, where the nobles uh, stay, uh, taking down a couple houses as well. Most of clear water, like uh, half of their port is sunken, leaving all but an island. And you see one bridge that leads to nowhere from soldiers pass. The uh, pinnacle rock in between both the peninsulas. And with you, Asmodai, you notice being right here that there's water all around you in your territory in the Crimson Fist, crumbling the rocks into an unfathomable death. And it's it's slowly growing. All right. So for now, we're going to move back to uh, P1 and uh, Gene, see what they're doing. Uh, P1, you just destroyed the Hydra head. You're in the unseen public. What do you do? Yeah, like, uh, you know, like after like giving a satisfied sigh, just remembering the situation that proceeded beforehand, like uh, one of his ears twitches annoyedly. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's just like, uh, I don't care what that creature was. I'm glad it's gone. <laughs> My thoughts exactly, sire. And you see Jean just give you a nod. I'm glad that you're safe. And are you, frankly? It's like, I, I'm going to figure out how to another way to thank you. I don't think I would have been able to get that without your help. I would be afraid to say that without me, you would have died, master. And I think with that, he his eyes just glow a little brighter, just having a little thanks from his master. Uh, well, what can be done now? I Do we even know if that's the last of it? I... I'd be lying if I said yes, master. And I think uh, he goes to the uh, like bookshelf and uh, pulls out a book and uh, basically holds it for you, like uh, in the air for you to grab. So he takes the book. Uh, what is it on? <laughs> uh, essentially, uh, it's a record book and it looks like a grand historia of uh, the entire uh, Pangea. Uh, it's hard to tell what or like who like where the author belonged uh, nationality wise because uh, each culture, each uh, like uh, country names the uh, entire uh, Pangea after their kingdom. So, for example, Giuliano believes that the entire uh, like the entire continent is called Giuliano. While uh, snake people, the aunties, believe it's called Thubaran, so on and so forth. 
This one just calls it Pangea. And the contents of the book uh, revolve around sentient calamities. And uh, thumbing through it, you can see like uh, the first index is like uh, recorded uh, sentient calamities within Juliano, even a current one that's taking place in the capital that you are aware of, where a tornado is constantly hovering above the capital itself, reaching up into the sky. Uh, I believe Gene, yeah, I believe at that point Gene uh, says, it might be wise to refresh ourselves on what we're dealing with. Like I said, that seemed very small as the calamities go. Pimon just thinks for a moment. Well, if uh, if I'm getting a good read on this, just like uh, just like, like looking at the index, if the first sign is flooding, perhaps there might be something a bit more coming later. It's hard to say. How we identify these sorts of disasters is not only its longevity, but it seems to defy natural movements. As a tornado could go through a country, how we identify between a regular tornado and a sentient calamity is that the tornado will stop to purposely kill people. If that makes sense to my sire. Uh, no, it makes sense. It just is a bit annoying. Annoying indeed. So, do you go to any place in the Unseen Public, or do you uh, go back to reality? So, well, frankly, P1, at least presently, uh, uh, isn't really sure if he can, like, go back, and he'll even say as much, like, it's like, uh, I suppose until that's the last of it, I'm not going back onto the other side. If, if, if nothing is going to be made perfectly clear, your master does not appreciate their mind being altered. Mm. Yep, and do you, uh, you see, like, uh, you see him, uh, just think about it for a moment, like tapping his uh, skull-like chin, and you can see like his hand go through reality itself and disappear and goes, the veil's a lot more thin than as I remember, and brings his hand back out. Yes, it would be most unwise to go back out there with how it alters memories. Uh, well then, for the time being, uh, it just like a, cause like essentially, uh, essentially this, uh, more or less like looks like the, looks like the study just like, uh, yes, in a sense. And let me, uh, specify the book they pulled out again. You did see that effect where his hand went through reality. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. This is a poor reflection of it. You see like, uh, the animal heads that he has in there, they seem more skull like with less taxidermy. The torches seem more industrial weirdly enough where it's actual metallic lanterns and almost as if it's running on electricity this world is very strange it's a reflection but does not have the same layout per se hmm. like if you want to think for a moment just like uh, uh as much as they can sometimes be a bit of a pain it's like are they proven to be useful perhaps i should wander around to see if i can this place is a reflection of the other side correct and he just nods at you and says indubitably then that should mean if i were to wander around enough on this side of things i might eventually be able to find our, our dear tall dark and handsome and the short one he you see him stifle a little bit of a laugh you know hand over mouth and he just goes that would seem to be the case all you'd have to do is look for their blue silhouettes 
Well, then I should see and recover them, if nothing else, just to whether confirm they are dead or alive. <laughs> mm-hmm. And at that point, do you guys leave the manor? Uh, yeah, Piwan would just like it. He would take the book with him, just to like uh, like mm-hmm. like a peruse along the way. But um, yeah, but, but other than that, like yeah, he's kind of like looking around to see if he can find their silhouettes. Yeah. <laughs> so as soon as you go outside, town. you see. Yeah, as soon as you go outside, you see the same thing. Like lower districts flooded. Even your district seems like. I don't know, an earthquake or something took uh, like deep parts of houses as it crumbles. You see like uh, some of the foundation and cement and stonework like on the side of this mountain from a landslide and it's flooded with water. And as you go, it's getting worse than last I saw. Yep. And uh, just as a reminder, in the Unseen Public, you you still uh, the Diamond Estate still looks like a blue clockwork uh, castle, the lighthouse uh, looks like an obelisk. It's golden text still uh, acting as a spotlight, like a uh, regular lighthouse. Um, you see the houses moving and clicking, like basically you see a line of houses after, say, a half an hour, 20 minutes. They basically clink together like a Rubik's uh, Cube and uh, form a tall like a uh, skyscraper then later it goes back into a different line of houses the layout and the houses architecture just constantly shifts now if you're part of the original crew if you were leo dust cobalt no i don't think asthma die would know but any of the original crew what you would find weird is that there's no black egg anymore nor is there a dragon but the world seems darker than the very first time you entered in this reality when you did the chess match. Just I mean, everything seems Asmodai darker. I would notice if there's no black egg. That thing was pretty obvious. I Yeah, I just couldn't remember if uh, I ever pointed out to you, but that's fine. Like, yeah. I mean, okay. Also, I don't think Asmodai's in the Unseen Public, right? Yeah, no. that's... <laughs> Yeah, that's fine. Um, but yes, you outside player care or you as a player, there is no egg, there is no dragon, and everything seems darker. It's like you're underwater in the unseen public. It's like everyone turned down the saturation in this vibrant watercolor world. So where do you go first? Um, I think I guess like his first instinct actually yeah now that i'm thinking about it the last place that uh uh because like they actually said what they were where they were going before they left right and then uh no i think they like i think me just said we're gonna find a corpse and oridon said the same thing and you're like what the fuck and uh, i'm pretty sure there was a conversation about killing god well yeah that was like that was like uh that was before they even left the first time but um uh but in which case, like, uh, with only just, like, uh, looking for a dead body, uh, I think the easiest place to find a dead body is the slums, so you would probably yep. start looking there first. Mm-hmm. So as you're uh, moving along, you uh, get towards uh, the church, or, like, not the church, the orphanage, dust orphanage, and you do see a bunch of movement. You see uh, clear water sailings, people going through and out a uh, door that's uh, in the center of this uh, orphanage. And you see a dwarf figure with a coal-like beard, uh, basically barking orders and smoking a cigar. The uh, the silhouette, or it seems like he's on this side. He, he he's on this side. 
but uh, actually, yeah, I don't think P1 has had the pleasure. So like uh, just uh, raising and oh, by the way, it's like, uh, did we did, wait, uh, did Gene stay behind? Uh, no, I assume he was uh, following you. OK, it's like a, it's like a P1 would just like uh, like just uh, sending using the literal message cantrip message like, does he normally live here? Uh, he shakes his head and, you know, leans in close and whispers to you and goes, uh, he does not live here, but I have heard he recently bought the deed to this location. It is quite strange that they're doing work in the unseen public, though. So since this has only been my, what, second or third time here now, if I guess by technicalities, it's uh, just looking like, what does one actually do here? <laughs> Wait, wait, what? You mean like, what do people do in this unseen public or what does he do? The people do in the unseen public in general. And maybe he would elaborate, but it's like, I mean, wouldn't it be just, wouldn't it be better to do the work on the other side? Yeah, the drug side. And, <laughs> and he goes, yes, that it, it would be better to do work on the regular side. So it is quite strange that they're doing any sort of work, especially within a destroyed orphanage. Uh, like a, so we may need to keep note of that. Mm -hmm. They, yeah, they they don't notice you at the moment. It seems like they are moving a lot of large crates. And when I mean large, it looks like uh, what's the best way to put it? I'd say like a seven, eight foot length uh, uh, crates. And it's like probably like three feet in height and width. No, probably four feet in width, three feet in height. It's weird size boxes that they're carrying out and bringing empty crates in. So, well, at any rate, it seems that we're not in quite the state to deal with if it's something that we're not particularly akin to, but uh, we'll put a pin in this and who knows, maybe Asmodai might know something about this. Well, he did want to speak to uh, one of uh, the kings, if memory serves me right, specifically Roland. Oh, that! Oh, that's the one. Okay, <laughs> like I had to like, like snap his finger a moment. <laughs> yep, and he fills you in, just going, "Yes, he is uh, owner of Clearwater Sailing, uh, allegedly just a trading company, but it seems like they put their fingers in other cargo, supplies, and trades as well. You'll never meet a man with as much greed as that one right there." And you know, he tilts his head towards uh, Coldbeard. Well, in reality, all men are greedy to some degree. Just how much? Even I'm a bit of a greedy one, and just like internally smirks at that. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right. Uh, do you go anywhere else? Yeah, but I guess uh, just thinking it's like so. Well, just like assuming that they've already looked through the slums a bit. Um, so well, either they've already been here or they've gone somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. It depends specifically where you want to check. Are you checking Black Eyes, Crimson Fist, Sisterhood Territory, or the Wild Ones? Uh, honestly, since uh, since you would probably think he'd be wasting a lot of time uh, looking about trying to find wherever the hell like uh, me and Raka went, uh, he would probably go to the Crimson Fist Territory to see if Asbadai was wandering around in there. Like maybe he came across some creatures and got in that area because he had no idea where he went. So. <laughs> Well, he has an idea where he went, so. <laughs> hmm. Uh, yeah, so uh, you pass uh, the uh, Leo's respite, and you, s like, even in the Unseen Public, you see, like, uh, the blue, what the hell is it called? The blue shadow or silhouette of a hand serrated on the ground right next to two guards, and you see, like, a uh, lonely child, like, basically balled up in the fetal position rocking back and forth on the ground behind the bar um you don't see much activity on the streets but uh inside you see like the like it, it's fairly peaceful in the town right now these are moments of calm 
before another inevitable battle. And I would assume that you'd try to go to uh, maybe the Crimson Fist uh, headquarters or wherever the hell you guys met uh, Soul Men for the first time. Yeah, that would probably be the first place you'd go. Yeah, one of the many hideouts that they use. Um, so yeah, you go right over there and uh, you open the door and you see probably uh, Yorick uh, drinking a beer in the corner and Raymond uh, leaning against the wall. It seems like they're discussing something with the way that Raymond's, you know, moving his hands around. Oh, great. It appears he's not here either. Hmm. Oh, um, I'm so sorry. Um, I forgot to mention something super important with the orphanage. Uh, we won't backtrack all the way there, but you did see a really fat guy. Really fat. <laughs> really fat. Okay. It's like, uh, although I suppose while I'm here... <laughs> Just like a P1 trying to get maybe uh, maybe a listen on what they're talking about. Um, like I said before, you can hear sound in between the realities, but it is hard. It's nearly whispered and distortion like. If you really strain your ears, you could poten uh, potentially eavesdrop. Yeah, he would 100% try. <laughs> okay, make roll. Uh, do me a perception. I'll say like a 15 or higher. 17. Yeah, you 18. totally get it. Um, it's not totally clear, but you hear like little bits. It's kind of like you're listening into like uh, the radio and you hear static in between like important context clues and subject matter. But uh, you hear, you know, Raymond say Solomon, then like, you know, a bit of static. Then after that, he uh, says, what do we do? Then you see Yorick just drowning himself in alcohol and he says, don't know. Then a little bit more static. Then he says, can we really trust him? And you look towards uh, Raymond and takes a couple seconds, then nods and says, it's the only thing that we can trust. Then after that, I think uh, there's nothing more useful that they're talking about. It seems that they're grieving for some reason. <sighs> well, that was a bit pointless. Mm. Is there any way to get a message to someone on this side? But on the other side <laughs> you you see gene like you know bounces you know head on both of his shoulder and goes usually uh, no but with the specific circumstances and again like he does in an area that they can't see but you know he puts his hand through into reality and you see like some of his hand turns blue as it's in reality then he pulls it out and says we could write him a letter so wait you're saying this isn't normal not at all sire in fact this is the first time i've noticed this something is strange with the unseen public so that doesn't always work like this no so well i won't look at gift horse in the mouth uh and uh, I guess like a P1 will, uh, I suppose, maybe just like be a little less, uh, less conspicuous, like uh, uh, maybe goes off to, uh, uh, you know, maybe he'll just like, you know, like find like a wall for a brief moment and just like, uh, let's see, I guess he'll write, I guess he'll like, uh, he basically he's going to try, basically he's going to try with the, um, uh, the, the, uh, the folded paper trick. Um, oh, okay. Uh, what does your head look like again? I can't remember. It's, uh, it's like, uh, right, uh, he has a uh, raccoon face. Raccoon? <laughs> raccoon face? <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so you're going to write a letter right on the wall. What are you doing? Yeah, it's like uh, just writing. It's like I think you do stuff like, oh, we might as well be convened place someplace like oh, we're all actually. And now I'm now I, the player, I'm thinking a moment. Mm -hmm. Would it be easier just to tell them to come here? <laughs> it would be faster. Yeah, he nods his head. Yeah, it's like uh, he's just going to write, Asmodai, come to the Crimson Fist headquarters. I'll be waiting, P1. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, so you uh, you basically make, like, a, a Blue Jay kind of origami, and you send it on its way. Uh-huh. Okay, 
then it does that and i would say from that moment we see the blue jay go through like the city it's a cool cinematic where uh like the blue jay is flying through alleys past clotheslines gets caught in one fucking shakes it off goes past a few rats and uh, we go past like a myriad of corpses of various ages and eventually we uh, get back to the boys inside of the sisterhood house as the blue jay comes in front of you asmodai i look at it i grab it i read it i put it in my pocket and i go back to what i was doing <laughs> okay <laughs> what are you guys doing now uh first things first rifling through all the pockets of everyone who's dead uh roll me a 1d 100 plus uh let's say 30 107 gold uh nothing of value seems like uh besides that because it seems like a lot of these people are commoners with the exception of solomon if you really want to rifle through th uh solomon shit you can but it's yeah. all up to you yes okay I do. okay um you uh rifle through his shit and uh, you see, like, uh, obviously his cane. His cane is nothing too extra uh, extraordinary, but, you know, if you really order staff, like, it has the same properties as a plus one quarter staff, no magical effects. Um, I'm going to cut the heads, or, well, yeah. I'm going to go to me, tell him to take his axe, and mm. I'm going to help him cut the head off one of these hydra heads. Hmm. Just to uh, specify, the entire thing was made out of water, in a sense, uh, given a corporeal form. Yeah, they, they dissipated. I forgot. Um, you said they came out of holes in the ground, right? Yes. Uh, how deep are the holes? Uh, you look down. If you were to, uh, say, like throw a stone down, it takes about uh, four to five seconds before you hear anything. Is it straight down or is it curving? Uh, straight down. Yeah, just to clarify, once it uh, took five seconds, you heard a plunk. I, I need to specify that. There's a plunk. Like there's water down there. Yes. Uh, okay. That explains it. Uh, I think I know what's going on here. Crap. All right. Uh, Ordon, you take whatever corpses you want for creepy snake lady. Uh, we're taking that kid. And uh, we're heading back to the feast headquarters. And I am... Solomon's would have been wearing, like, a signet ring. Does he have any of his rings? Because he definitely wore jewelry. Yeah, you can... Uh, he has jewelry on. All right, uh, I'll grab his signet ring that would have had the Crimson Fist logo on it. Uh, and uh, I am going to go outside, and I'm going to... Uh, kindle uh a fire might take 30 minutes or so basically simple fire use um one of my spell slots i'm going to ignite a pyre place a body on it ignite a pyre and i'm gonna burn solomon's body damn and you do that we hear the crackle of the wood and we see the pyre well built i assume that you had uh ordon's help throughout the process to make uh check the structural integrity of making this and not really it's a funeral pyre it's gonna burn <laughs> <laughs> okay so you make this a uh, funeral pyre it looks amazing and you put solomon's corpse onto the pyre and do you say any words before you start the fire not out loud 
Yeah. So we see almost like a silent prayer or a moment of pregnant silence. Then we hear a small woof as the fire beneath them begins to grow. We hear the snackle crackles and pops of branches and wood begin to crumble. And eventually within, I'd say like three, four minutes, it turns into a raging inferno as one of the last fires in this district as your water team put out the fires in the buildings. And we see a black smoke moat into the air and we see Solomon's body begin to blacken, burn until it becomes nothing. During this whole point, uh, Asmodai is going to have a very somber look on his face and uh, Ordon might even notice he sheds that wonderful Hollywood single tear down his cheek. Uh, and after the fire starts to die, he'll go get some water, pour it out, let it smolder once the body is fully engulfed. Uh, and then we'll wordlessly just motion for the other two to follow and begin to make way back to uh, the Crimson Fist headquarters. And do you do so? And as you're walking along, you get a tingle down your spine as you feel invigorated. Like not only did you appease Solomon with that funeral pyre, but Vulcan smiles upon you. You feel more intact with the city. You feel stronger. As a little break in between the action and the story, I want to bring to your attention a uh, podcast. This is Today. Learn about national celebrations and historical and pop culture events that will make each day unique. This is Today is a podcast for those feeling a little nostalgic, for lovers of history, and for those that need a good laugh. It's just 10 minutes a day. I have the link in the description below, and no, I'm not getting paid to say this, I just believe they deserve a shout out. Other than that, I have an announcement near the end of the episode, so make sure to stay tuned until the very end. Well, let's get back to the action. Both walk solemn, not solemnly. You both walk with a solemn silence. At most, we hear no wind. You feel no rain. The sky is clear. All we hear is the clinking of both your boots against cobblestone, making your way to uh, the headquarters. And as you do, you see Yorick and Raymond discussing something. Immediately, they shut up and look towards you. I'm just going to uh, place the cane and the signet ring down on the table. You do that. And I think Yorick is the most expressive as his hands go over his face. And he is just silent. You see Raymond look like stares at the cane in the ring. And he goes, I didn't think it was true. I thought it was my memory playing games on me. And he looks outside and says, today has been one hell of a day. And he bites his tongue until, like, you see, like, a little trinkle of blood go down, like, the corner of his lips. You see Yorick, like, have soft sobs at seeing the cane in the ring. Do you say anything? <sighs> it's 
been a very long day indeed. Something is happening in this place, and it's claiming many lives. I'm curious, when I rooted through all those bodies, did I see anyone that looked like they were part of the Wild Ones or Jade Hand? Uh, yes, you do see uh, people from Clearwater Sailing, the Branded. You see them from all sorts of gangs. It looks like this thing ate a lot of people. But specifically anyone that looked like they were part of the Jade Hand? Uh, nothing from the exact Jade Hand himself, but uh, as you remember, the Jade Hand Syndicate is just an umbrella for Clearwater Sailing. Wild Ones, The Branded, and uh, a few other gangs. So any like any deaths in those gangs counts as uh, one the syndicate. Gotcha. Yep. So yes, there were many casualties from both sides, but the people who got hurt the most were the common folk. Um, just as a reminder, as you guys are walking through the city, the veil between the unseen public is still super thin. There are moments and flashes where you see like the unseen public in all of its glory. The waters of the demons are becoming more and more of an incursion upon the city. And as you can see, if you look outside, it threatens to swallow us whole. And it's teeming beneath our very feet. Don't ask me how that's possible. Creature of the ocean did this. Something that uh, is unfathomable to us small-minded folk. Uh, I fear that this place is becoming to, is quickly becoming a lost cause. And uh, just as a reminder, P1, you are at the same location with Gene and the unseen public. Oh yeah, I was just I was waiting for for, for my intro. Yeah, that just like maybe just for the briefest of moments, just like uh, P1 just forgot himself for a moment. So it's like, ah, finally they're here. Now come on, why are you ignoring me? <laughs> hey, back over here. <laughs> just like stomps over and just like it's like I'm right in front of you. I subconsciously punched the air. No. <laughs> and maybe and maybe even just like as part of that frustration just grabs him by the shoulder. <laughs> and you feel Tug Asmodeus, a uh, random hand, goes through the unseen public and grabs you. I'm going to grab the hand. I'm going to pull. And you do. Uh, do you, does P1 reject that pull? Uh, you know what? He'll at least try. <laughs> Contest roll. Both strength. Uh, let me turn this off since I wouldn't have been able to react fast enough. Uh, yeah, uh, 16 versus 5, 16 being Asmodai, you get pulled out of the Unseen Public. And as you do, uh, you go through the portal and uh, everything seems all right. The veil between the Unseen Public seems to have a clear distinction now. You can no longer see the Unseen Public as P1 comes out. And it looks like if you tried to go in the Unseen Public, you wouldn't be able to, unless you take drugs. So in that moment, as he's pulling pulling this blue feathery hand that in that instant, uh, Asmodai already has a knife out and is putting it to the individual's throat who just went to grab him. And then noticing it's P1, he'll pull it back and go, oh, it's you. Oh my, I didn't realize that you cared. Now oh, uh, is not the time, Bert. Well, obviously it is the time for jokes because everybody looks a bit on the solemn side now, don't they? Like, seriously, who died? At that moment, you see Raymond, like, the small trinkle of blood going from his cheek becomes more it, there's a bit more blood streaming and you see Yorick he just drowns himself in a drink at that comment I would ask that you politely would refrain from doing that from uh, making light of the situation 
or else you might find yourself in a little discomfort. And yes, at that moment, like Raymond is like struggling to keep his like sword in the, in its sheath. You see uh, a Yorick, both of his hands are on a drink, drowning himself. Our boss was killed by that. Well, uh, we were, first of all, so many questions, but our boss was killed by some sort of monster, as were many other people, but first and foremost, uh, someone very important to many of us has just been taken. Oh, that really is unfortunate. I kind of liked his spunk. Yes, and I'll pull him up off the ground since I would have been pinning him there. (laughs) (laughs) Which only makes that comment of, oh, I didn't know you cared, all the more appropriate. <laughs> yeah, just like uh, brushing himself off. Where's your lapdog? Well, he was just right next to, where is he? Yep, there's uh, no Gene. He's still in the unseen public. Oh, well, can't we all just, I don't know, j- Gene, if you're there, just like pull me or something? I think that's how that works. And there's no pull. Well, come on, Gene, I'm waiting. It's like tapping his foot. <laughs> You wait, and nothing happens. Uh, you can do a perception check to see if you can see his silhouette. Uh, doo, doo, doo. And he will try to cheat for this. Uh, nope. <laughs> Somewhere around here. Can't pinpoint him, though. <sighs> I swear, it's every it's every other direction today. And then also now P1's just thinking for a moment, oh, wait, I'm not charmed right now. Nope. Oh, so everything's back to normal now? Se- the semblance of normalcy. Uh, you still do see, like, uh, the flooding. Well, I hope everyone's prepared to deal with the calamity coming. The what? Calamity. A sentient calamity? I'm guessing I don't know what that is. You do. Uh, that was uh, expressly told to you by the giant in the unseen public when you guys were done with your uh, chess game. That a sentient, he did say the word sentient calamity will flood this uh, port city. And that someone named Nyx was responsible for it. Too bad no one knows who Nyx is. <sighs> Well, we at least had, what, two days warning? Three days warning? Yay. Three days? (laughs) Well, for what it's worth, the worst of it isn't here yet. So technically we have more? Oh, sorry, that's not a comfort, is it? (laughs) It isn't. I am wondering if it wouldn't just be best to abandon the city and let the idiots in the other factions drown as the rivers rise. And you see that Yorick and Raymond nod in confirmation that they completely agree with that. I think at that point, like Raymond might even uh, pipe up a little bit and says, yeah, we can more than likely evacuate any any of our men along with us. Try to find a new and safer home. Yes, there's one slight problem, though. We need to get the blacksmiths out and stop working for the Jade Hand. Because wherever we go, we're going to need the resources to set up our new business. Ordon, Piwan, you're the most knowledgeable on this subject. So, well, they're not going to be doing that quite so easily, considering, you know, the blackmail. Yeah, that's going... Unfortunately, we're going to need to deal with that first. And then we can start getting them out of the city. Um, Piwan... Uh, if you uh, if you guys like do talk about you know like uh, different ways of evacuation, uh, th- there are a couple good options. Uh, you guys can do a pilgrimage, you know, by foot. Obviously, it'd take longer, but again, the world is dangerous uh, with that. Well, with how strong you guys are, you could probably brave most of the 
dangerous out there, but it would probably result in some casualties in the people that you escort. Going by a boat would also be a safe option so long as you don't stay on uh, the Black Sea or the Ink Sea for too long in your voyage. There are a lot of different options that you could take. So plus by all accounts, we plus by all accounts, we do have another bit of a problem. We cheese. Well, I'm sure none of you have all forgotten, but tomorrow's a holiday. Yeah, yeah, that holiday can go jump off a lake for all I care. Well, unless you're planning on burning up alive, I would recommend that you think a bit harder about it. Look, it's going. To, you're new here. It happens every month. You go do it, and you just let it go. Just deal with something every every single month. Just put it into the sacrifice pit. You go about your day. It's not all that significant. And I had certain machinations for tomorrow, but, uh, well, we can still do some of them. So, well, I'm not so new. After all, I'm still part of this particular continent. But, and I would remind you that there are only so many places where we can pull this off. So either we have to take the thing with us, or... (laughs) Well, we're not leaving tonight. It wouldn't be feasible. But, I mean, you can't do mass exodus this quickly but we can start setting the plans in motion which it's going to be interesting the meeting that the black king has set up with Coolbeard. oh right that fellow you know we passed him on the way over <laughs> let me guess he was dicking around in that orphanage again so uh, yes on the other side for some reason lots of large crates <laughs> yeah Also an absurdly obese fat man, I swear. Uh, At that moment, Asmodai, there's only one really absurdly obese man that you can think of off top of your head. That would be David. How long uh, do you think they were going to be there for a while? Well, I didn't have a good sense of what they were doing, but uh, I assume that with all of those crates, they were doing some sort of... Were they just like a, were they just like stacking the crates or were they opening them? <laughs> uh, stacking them. Well, it looks like they were just doing a shipment on the other side, so I suppose probably not that long. All right, I'm going to look at the uh, other two capos be like, you can figure out who's going to run things later, but start getting the men, start getting the smiths that are under our control, start having them pack start getting everything we need to move uh, I get, we need to go deal with something and as soon as he finishes that sentence Asmodai is going to leave the room and start heading directly for the orphanage right you do so Ordon, you've been silent. What the hell have you been up to? Just waiting impatiently, um, batting my fingers together while Asmodai is talking, knowing I need to bring this body back, not caring really about the this whole boss dying, just being impatient. I mean, you can go, you can go do that. You don't need to wait for us. Well, no, the only reason uh, Raka waited was because of past experiences of not doing what Asmodai wanted. <laughs> So he is uh, holding the body because um, he's bigger and stronger. Uh, making their way towards the orphanage, I would guess me and uh, me would break off. Uh, I believe that would be incorrect. From what John has told me so far, as I just told you, like, well, yeah, he could have gotten the same dealio from uh, P1 from Obese Man. No, I mean, you, yeah, you saying out loud, but uh, P1 saying Obese Man, I'm pretty sure me's not that uh, dumb. You'd be able to. Um, 
Uh, there's not too many uh, obese people in this town, so I imagine it strike his interest. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm going to use the restroom really quick. Uh, you guys can decide exactly what you're going to do. Say it out loud, please. So um, Raka will look at me and notice that that fat man resonated with me and uh, will be following me's lead, which is in turn following Asmodon. P1, are you coming? I say he says like, because like I I feel like you kind of like just like started walking abruptly and you just like uh, started chasing after. It's like, well, something's gotten you up in a tissue. Yeah, Asmodai would actually probably be jogging. Okay, apparently we're running now. Uh, and also he's going to, uh, while we're running, put on that black crown. <laughs> <laughs> and Raka's falling behind because of his short little legs. Wait, no, weren't you, weren't you holding on to the white one? Oh, you're right. Whatever. <laughs> you had the option to paint it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but there can't be two black kings. It just, it ruins the aesthetic. Well, again, that's why you paint it red. Okay, Um, let me do a little mental math on how much time has passed since you sprung the trap at 10. Around 12, you guys uh, uh, got done dealing with uh, a Fethel. And I believe I said about two, three hours pass in between you guys uh, doing shit with uh, P1 and uh, what's or what's their nuts, me and the rest of the party. So it would be around three o'clock, possibly four. I'll settle on four o'clock with everything that's happened so far, especially with the funeral pyre. Um, so it's been more than an hour since the leaving the estate. Yeah. So, yes. So we'll say it's about uh, four o'clock. Uh, the sun is uh, uh, slowly going down. It hasn't reached, you know, the edge of the horizon yet, but it's starting to sink in the sky. And we see like uh, clouds start to uh, form on the clear blue day. Um, you guys go to the orphanage inside of reality and you see nothing there. So um, Oridan gonna look towards me and uh, present the box that had the numb tongue in it and ask him if it would work. And uh, he nods his head. You guys can do it that way. I will hand a pinch of shimmering dust to P1 and I will take my own. Yep. Tell me the order you guys uh, do this in. I mean, I, I'm, I'm handing it to P1. I don't care what the other two do. In fact, I was going to look at them and say, you guys can head the back to the estate and you can go bring your tribute back to a Fethel. Also, take that head tour. Take that head to Gene and whoever else can figure out what to do. P1 and I have business. Yeah, so Asmodai uh, goes through this plan, tells uh, me and uh, Ordon, you know, go send the body. And uh, which head is this? The head, the, the, they, uh, me was carrying the head of the Hydra that we chopped off. It's water. Uh, the entire thing was water. I can't. Yeah, I keep forget, I keep forgetting that for some reason. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, it, there's a mental block in my head. Yeah, it's like you're having a brain aneurysm. Your nose starts to bleed. Like your eye just pops a bit with a <laughs> just a red eye. Um, yeah, but, but you, you can get the same point across, you know, talk about, uh, talk to Fethel about the Hydra and all that. But I would think, um, me would want to see David, but I also don't know if he, um, partakes in numb tongue. I said, I didn't tell you two you had to go, I just said you don't have to come with us. The only one I'm concerned with actually going with me is P1. Yeah, and, uh, uh, yeah, the dust goes to, uh, P1 first, and I think, uh, what's his nuts, um... 
me would also do the dust since I'm not sure if his opinions on drugs. So I'd assume he'd go with the dust. I, I'm not going to give him any dust. Oh, fuck. I don't have enough. <laughs> All right. And and me's on my crap list at the moment. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that is true. OK, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but I guess P1 will comment. Oh, so this is how you normally get there. It's it's special that I got from a friend who is now dead. It's not the normal way. And I think uh, me and I think me would pipe up, uh, you know, talking P1 saying, how did you get in? Oh, we just went through the portal. What portal? <laughs> just scratching his neck. But, you know, there's the same portal we went in. Like, a, remember that whole chess match? Yeah, there's a portal there. He thinks about it long and hard. Way too long, actually, before he goes, oh, yeah, that portal. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, if that's the case, uh, Asmodai went first. P1, I assume you fall suit. Uh, that one is impatient. I hate to see him go, but I love to watch him leave. <laughs> and then uses the post. <laughs> then uses the dust. Yep. As soon as uh, both you guys go into the unseen public, uh, me, Ordon. Oh, me's not here. Ordon, you see that the reality between the unseen public and reality is thin again. And if you really want to, you could walk into it. Well, I look to me and I say, you want to go? And, and he nods his head. Okay, little buddy, we can go. <laughs> yeah, okay, little buddy. Yeah, and uh, you guys all go into the unseen public. P1, you see Gene uh, right next to you. It seems like he was following you the entire time in the unseen public. Uh, there you are. Oh, wait, hold on, hold on. I hate game menus. Sorry, continue. Yeah, and he looks at you strangely as whatever the hell you're doing, playing with your hand, and he just goes, I, I'm sorry, Master, I couldn't follow you after you left. So, well, why not? And he just goes, well, you see, and tries to put his hand outside in reality, and it does go in reality, and he looks shaken by it, like confused, brings it back and goes, I swear, Master, it wasn't working when you left... I don't and he keeps facing it in and out of reality. It wasn't the veil gets thin apparently when substances are used to transport. It's not healing itself. And I'm going to quickly look around. Uh there or did we just stumble into a nest of a whole bunch of people who don't like us? Um, with all you guys, I'm gonna assume that you're near it, not exactly in it, but uh Oh no, I was going to go well, yeah, go to the entrance of the orphanage yeah. and then cross yeah. over. That's where I, yeah, that's where I assumed you were. Uh, in front of the entrance of uh, the orphanage, you uh, go up, you see that there's a lot of traffic going inside of a door and going down. This is the same door you've seen before when you're in the unseen public when you hung Nickel, at, whose body is still there. It's still hanging, along with a bunch of other corpses. Uh, you see Clearwater Sailing uh, workers bringing up crates, bringing down crates, and you see... Uh, uh, Colebeard, uh, too, like, really busy and distracted. He doesn't notice you immediately as he's barking out orders. Is David still here? Um, yes, you do see, uh, David, uh, talking on his side. Uh, you see that, you know, his hands are moving and shit like that. Oh, uh, hello, David. Are you getting into the sailing business? <laughs> and, uh, he looks towards you and he sees me and everyone and he's 
confused. His, you see like his multiple chins like wiggle back and forth as he tilts his head seeing you. And you see Colebeard like take a long drag of his cigar. And you see like basically the smoke go around uh, the Colebeard's face. And I, I can't remember the accent I did for him before, but uh, he just goes, oh, well, just the man I wanted to see. Then you see uh, David on sign go, Asmodai, what are you doing in the unseen public? I was going to ask you the same question. I, I needed to talk to uh, Coldbeard. Uh, ha- haven't you been aware of uh, the food store uh, shortage? And you see his face wiggling. Not really. That's why I keep you around. Yeah, and it, he fills you in quick. He just goes, Coldbeard here has had a stockpile of food that he's been keeping for uh, gang members in the Jade Hand Syndicate. And I've been... Uh, making talks about uh, sharing it with the community. My eyes were opened after a conversation with me. I think I found Siam once again. And he just like puts his hand on his heart like he's a born again Siam believer. Oh, that's cute. That's really cute and good for you. Uh, the, the big boys are going to talk to Vid. Uh, good job keeping the city running. Uh, keep your door open. Mm-hmm. You and I have some other final preparations for tomorrow to deal with uh, in the morning. Why, of course. Why, of course. And he nods his head. You see that he has an iron cap inside of, you know, his mouth. And, you know, he wears gloves. The, he, he His coat is like a, the British coat you'd see in the Revolutionary War. But with how fat he is, a few of the buttons popped. So it's not all the way buttoned around his fat stomach. And uh, yeah, I believe he would go on his way with that with me just squinting his eyes at uh, uh, David as he uh, walks away. Um, Colebeard just stares at you and keeps smoking his cigar and just goes, you know, deep breath in, deep breath out. We see smoke going around from blue tobacco and he goes, oh, what brings you to my humble abode? Oh, well, you see, you and I had a meeting, and I decided to uh, move up the timetable. I recall calling the Black King, not uh, the Crimson Fist. And I'll uh, point over a P1, who I'm assuming is wearing his crown. And you didn't hear it, but I'm also wearing the white crown. Okay. <laughs> all right, um, P1, you want to fill him in? Where's Gene in all this? You telling him to hide, stay in the open? It's, uh... Uh, actually, like I'm, I'm trying to think like where we even like because uh, I don't even think there's any place where there would have been hiding. Now that I'm thinking about it, but... no, we literally just popped into the middle of the street and then I shouted at him. Yes, I, I said I don't think there's anything about that. Uh, so like, uh, yeah, so so P1 like noticing like his like his name was called like it's like oh is it my turn now? <laughs> Not so said. Well, but as tall, dark, and handsome said, you are speaking with the only one, the one and only King of Black. And he looks towards Jean and goes, "What does that make him?" A lap dog. He's my queen. Okay. Um, and he smokes his cigar, looks at him, and uh, uh, I just want to uh make sure. Uh, Asmodai, you look like a bear. Uh, P1, what's your head look like? It's, uh, it's like a, it's looking, uh, like basically he's looking at him with all eight of his eyes. <laughs> okay. And, uh, with Ordon and me, their faces are unchanged. With, uh, Coldbeard in general, uh, you see that his face, I'm trying to think of a greedy animal. Um, help me out here. Give me an idea for a greedy animal. A jackal. Actually, a squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> 
You no, actually no. I think uh, last time you seen him was uh, the Diamond Estate, and I believe I said he had the head of a dragon. Actually, uh, I was. I don't think I was there. It, it was one of you guys. It, it was. It was one of you guys during like the Armistice Ball. Uh, someone went into the unseen public and, or at least, seen him with a dragon's head. So that that's what you see. You see him with a dragon's head. Short dwarf with a beard. Uh, all right. That being said, we got three weird-looking heads, two normal-looking ones, and I lost track of the conversation. Um, that was P1 just saying, uh, "You're the current ruler, and uh, Jean is the queen." So, yep. And just like, uh, even does like maybe just like a like a small curtsy bow, of, like look up, and then clicks his mandible a bit, just like. Uh... Yep. And I think at that point he just shakes his head and just says. Uh, things change every day. It's changing too damn fast. And smoking his cigar. Uh, it's funny you say that, because I heard you're looking for a change. You heard right, and he smokes his cigar. And he uh, motions you guys to uh, follow him. I have a business proposition, but to understand where I'm coming from, follow me. And just tilts his head uh, towards downstairs. He starts walking down the steps past the door. Do you guys follow yeah. Uh, huh, I didn't think we'd be working on this social link today. <laughs> That's a good one. I just got done playing Persona. Um, I didn't think I'd be the leader of my gang today either. It's been a long day. Oh, you are now? Well, congratulations. <laughs> you moved up so quickly. <laughs> You know, that's not official, so don't say that out loud. <laughs> uh, on any comment on all that as you guys are going downstairs? I'm just uh, checking the body to make sure it's not decomposing rapidly or anything. Yeah, you see uh, me holding the corpse as you guys are walking down the steps. You see uh, Cole Beard smoking his cigar, and he just asks you guys a question and goes, uh, What do you guys think Num Gum is made out of as you guys are going down this long-winded steps? Uh, I believe, from what I saw, what Nickel was doing, something untoward with experimentation on human bodies. I'm thinking Soylent Green. And he shakes his head. It's shimmering dust, my friend. Shimmering dust. And, you know, pointing towards your bag of how you got into the Unseen Public. This gum, uh, it ref it's refined from that as a base component. With that component alone, you can come into the unseen public. And uh, you guys are stepping down, or keep going down the steps. We see a couple torches here and there. It is absurdly long and deep. And as you guys are going along, he just uh, says, Now, I have one more question for you. Where do you think this dust comes from? I'm guessing you're about to tell us. And he just gives you a nasty smile. I do enjoy guesses first, though. I don't know. Dragon's anus. <laughs> P1. So, ooh, I'm not going to lie. I don't think I'm going to be able to top that guess. Uh, I want to go with orcish feet. Ordon. And would I have any knowledge to do a history check? Go right ahead. 20. Uh, you know that uh, shimmering dust comes from a shimmering ore or shimmering gold ore or shimmering ore. Either one. Uh, and specifically, there is a dwarf. Uh, family that holds a monopoly over the ore for making special weapons and armor and in more particular ways uh this drug it's what my it's what my plate armor made out of yep and he uh, go, uh you know specifically uh velcut shimmering forge the guy that you met uh around the scorched hammer uh the blacksmith guild 
Uh, he was on a mission here to uh, basically try to find an heirloom and uh, that gold. It is public knowledge now that uh, the Shimmering Forge family is, uh, what's the proper term? Disgraced. Disgraced for uh, losing such an important war that could have such a great effect on the world. So you know those facts. So how do you answer? Well, you don't you don't don't seem um, like one of the simmer simmer forges. So I'm guessing you stole it from them. And he starts to chuckle. Yes and no. Yes, I did steal some of that gold. No, that is not what I'm going to show you. And did you say or or did uh, what what was the phrasing of what you said? Well, first of all, you're doing um, Roy Edmonds accent. Yeah, I know. I'm having trouble here. I can't remember a Cockney accent. So uh, he just goes, oh, fuck you. That's what he sounds like. <laughs> I said he stole it from the Simmerforge family. Yeah, Simmerforge family. And he just goes, uh, oh, now you're making me fucking a little bit. No, um, he just yeah, he says yes and no that he did steal some from uh, the Shimmerforge uh, family, a shipment that he's been looking for, but that is not exactly what he's gonna show you. And he goes, uh, think, God damn it, I keep wanting to do a Southern accent now. Think carefully, uh, where does uh, the uh, Simmerforge family get this gold, the shimmering gold? Yeah, let's see, from my pocket? And I pull out the a little bit of the gold ore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he looks at it and goes, that's the right stuff. Uh, most people think that it comes from an ore, something that you mine. I'm afraid that they are wrong. And he just has a evil smile on his face, which brings me to my next point. I want out of the city. And you guys keep walking down the stairs and he says, I have a lot of money that I'm transporting right now, but the seas are a little more dangerous than I anticipated. In fact, a couple of our ships got sunk by some cannon fire and some goddamn tritons. And he just spits on the ground. I'm looking to make a couple arrangements with some people who also want to leave. So long as my shipments are protected and get to their destination, we could make arrangements with certain gangs. Are you interested in that at all? I don't know what's in it for us. Gold and safe passage away from this damn city. He's going to make a show of like thinking. Yep. Of, oh, wow, that's, hmm. But why would I want to leave the city? I mean, gold is nice, but uh, uh, I feel like if I'm going to assist you, there's got to be more incentive than just gold. <laughs> uh, it seems like he is stuck on wanting your help. You can actually see that through his uh, face that he does want you. So uh, he just uh, continues smoking his cigar as you guys are going down. Oh, what do you want? Oh, I think when if we were to leave this city, that whatever we form afterwards is going to be, it's going to need um, more than just say land routes or sea routes and we could be expanding our businesses elsewhere and i think we need to form a new conglomeration 
of business partners. A little bit similar with with those buggers that you're currently working with. But the difference being that, uh, well, there will be different arrangements and uh, a little bit clearer hierarchy of those that are in charge. And a little less murder? A, a little. I don't mind murder. I, I prefer gold and clean hands a little bit more. This is getting a bit excessive. Yes, Nickel seemed a little overzealous when we found him uh, in the orphanage last, torturing uh, quite a few people. Yeah, that sick fuck did like to torture people. Um, but I think uh, he goes back to his original point. I Now, I'm not trying to give you history lesson or to unveil a grand secret. I just want to show you where I'm coming from and why I want to leave so bad. And you guys reach a door at the very bottom of the basement. And he says, I'm going to show you where shimmering gold truly comes from. This is the biggest business opportunity of my life. And he creaks the door open. And if you guys ever see National Treasure, where they discover that room for the first time, you guys like have the two side rails with torches and you see like, uh, you know, a line of oil, a lights with uh, a torch and it goes down the hallway, illuminating this huge room. It is is the most is the biggest room you guys have ever seen. It stretches so far that you have to squint to see the back wall. Inside of this room, you see men working around the clock with uh, crates with cloth, open crates with cloth inside of it. And you see them moving statues into them. You see lines upon lines of statues. Probably, I would say, about a couple hundred statues lined in columns with even more in the rows. There are a exceptional amount of statues in this room and he just goes this is where shimmering dust truly comes from and he motions you to follow along and uh, he points at one of the statues and as you uh, squint um actually can everyone just give me a history check to see if you guys even know what this thing is <laughs> natural 20. it fills you with anger asmodai as it reminds you of leo these things seem like they're changelings, each and every one. And he goes, Did you bugger steal my statue? <laughs> he just gives you a deadpan face and just goes, No, you had two guards in front of it. Why would we want one statue when we have all these? Because it's gone now and all I had left was a hand. Okay, I will admit, and he just looks you straight in the eyes. I was thinking about stealing it, and it kind of pissed me off that someone else stole it. Son of a... Who took it? Mm, um, <laughs> uh, I, I would say, even thinking on the matter, Asmodai, that you could easily, probably, you could easily piece together what happened to the statue. Because uh, during, when you looked at the statue, when you're under that, uh, the Hydra's control, you forgot all about Leo. So you could only assume that the beast probably tried to eat the statue and ended up regurgitating it. Did we see it? Uh, do that? Did did we see the statue when we killed you, it? Um, yeah. Uh, you could have, uh, if you guys sifted through the corpses, you could see, like, uh, uh, bits of uh, stone. It's kind of like a tiger shark mentality, you know what I mean, where it eats just about anything in front of it. 
Oh, that's right. I know what happened to it. Ah, frick. Apparently, I'm missing a little bit of context. Uh, mind filling me in? What is this, Leo? Uh, oh, uh, you know how the di- how the biggest state up above where the King's Gambit is is giant rubble. Yes, I am aware that. Uh, in fact, I saw that in the papers. <laughs> yeah, he's the one who did it, and I killed him. Uh, and he's. A changeling. He actually used to run with me and a few others. And I wish I would have killed him much earlier. Oh, that is bad. It isn't it, right, Gene? <laughs> and uh, he nods along. He he was a terrorist. No good. Uh, he was a freedom fighter. Yeah. Oh, so a misguided terrorist. Got it. <laughs> you just like it. Just like the mandible clicks a little bit. <laughs> Uh, I think uh, at that point, he nods and says, well, that is a couple thousand gold that we lost with that. That's sad. And shakes his head. No matter. And he looks at the room. Uh, And I think at this point, like, uh, again, the only thing that was left of that statue was a hand in front of Leo's respite. He, uh, conveniently enough, uh, like, goes to one of the statues and, like, basically chunks off a pinky finger. And he uh, shows you it inside of his open palm. And he goes, this is shimmering gold. Now, I can't explain the logic of why this happens, but if you crush it, and he crushes it in his hand and opens it again, and you see, like, uh, the shimmering powder dust. And he goes, this is the essence of a changeling. Now imagine how much money we could have. And again, from the pinky alone, it damn near matches what you have in that little sack of yours. It seems like it was very compact with that dust. Like there's more inside of it than there should have. There is a lot of money to be made from this. Only problem is getting it out of this fucking shithole. So that's why changelings are outlawed and killed. And it were, well, imprisoned and assumably killed. Presumably killed. You can only imagine where the corpses goes and he smiles. <sighs> well, that makes things tricky. How much do... Uh, I'm just going to go over and, like, grab one of them. How fragile are they if you can just crush it with your fist? How fragile are they? And he uh, just... Um, he says uh, it's extremely fragile. That's why we're gentle. It's kind of like working with glass. Not fragile enough to break from a breath, but fragile enough to crush. (sighs) Okay. And that's why you're looking for safer passage. Yes. Nods. What are they doing in that estate that terrifies you so much? Uh, he just shakes his head and says, it's not good business. It really isn't. If it wasn't just for the random killing and orders of executions, even in our own gangs, it's a fact that he spends so much fucking time gathering up these god-awful demons from the goddamn sea and throwing them in there. And he just smirks at it. But guess what? He's having trouble. <laughs> There's a demon in there that makes other demons just damn near shit themselves. And he just spits on the ground. He mentioned something about a throne, but I, I, other than that, I didn't take much interest in that. There's not much in there besides uh, from the auction. And I'm going to tell you this. I am not sending in my men to die to grab some goddamn magic items when we have such a... And he puts his hand uh, splayed out to the statues. When we have such an easy business opportunity over here, that's a thousand times safer. 
I want to kill that stupid cat over and over again. Apparently, I'm just missing more context now. <laughs> and he just laughs at you and goes, well, if you find any bits of them, crush it up and save it. You might be able to get an easier trip into the unseen public. I take out Leo's hand and I crush it into my pouch. You do that and it doesn't look like shimmering ore to you. What's the issue? And he just gives you a confused look. Yep, he gives you a confused look and goes, well, are you sure that's his hand? It, no, not entirely. It's gold and it was left where the statue was. He, to be. Yeah, he looks at it and goes, well, and uh, I think uh, like he thinks about it for a moment and goes, well, from what I've heard from the Shimmer and Forge clan is that they usually cover these bastards in an ore and it does the same thing. So I'm not sure why the hell it's not working. It should work. I mean, we've just covered them in the actual gold. That works, too. Any kind of ore, so long as you petrify it, you can crush it up and it makes the shimmer in gold. If you want to mix up, like, I'm just throwing this out there, but if you are 100% certain that uh, this person was a changeling and that was the statue that you had, are you absolutely certain that's the genuine hand? I'm not. That's, uh, I'm also not 100% certain, never have been, that that statue was actually him. Ooh. <laughs> you do think about it, and as you think about it, you when uh, the statue was gone and uh, you were dealing with the Hydra, you forgot Leo, but you remembered the Changeling. Wait, what? <laughs> you forgot Leo, but you remembered the Changeling. Right, but doesn't the monster make you forget whatever it devours? Exactly. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I... Look, I told you way back when I, I, I knew what was going on. Um, anyway, uh, as I was saying, um, <sighs> that's what I was afraid of. But uh, why is it still so easily able to be crushed? My hand should be hurting trying to crush gold at the moment. Is it half a changeling? And he just cocks his head and whatever he didn't crush, he tries to crush in his hand and he basically struggles to crush it. And I think he shakes his head and just goes, I think you're just really strong. You know, that could be it. Well, by the force he pinned me down to the, the floor, I can confirm. <laughs> going to take what's left of that hand and hurl it. Uh, away from any of the statues. Yeah, you you do that, and as soon as it hits the wall, I think the scene goes black, and we open up to, like, you know, seagulls screaming in the sea, and we see, like, the black ocean. We see the waves coming in and feeding onto the shore and receding, and we see, like, a slave getting whipped. This man isn't in a lot of clothing, just a loincloth carrying baggage. And we see the whip come down again and again and again. And it lashes on this person's back. And we follow the whip and we see like a Leonin, his face just taking a sadistic joy from whipping this person in fancy clothing. And you can see him barking orders. Then we zoom out from this person and we see a... Help me out here, uh, Mega. What is an elfin person called in this D&D? &D? An elf or a fae? Loxodon. Loxodon, thank yeah, you so well, okay. much. 
Yeah. Oh, I thought Please. you said Elven. No, Elven. No, yeah, Elven. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, you see a Loxodon. Basically, we see their backs. We see Loxodon uh, crossing his arm, and he goes, mm, just makes a grunt. Then we see this Elven woman. It's Yvette from all so long ago, and she talks to a person who's just shrouded in shadows and goes, yeah, you think he might be a good target? And we just see this person, probably an orc, very similar to Orc Orkinson, the persona Leo took on when he was running away. And he just smiles and says, perfect. Then the next scene we see just this Leonin just gagging his mouth, bruised, his fur is just burnt. And we see the door close with uh, the Loxodon, Gus, inside the room, roughing him up. And Yvette basically handing this copycat, this changeling coat. And he basically uh, puts it down, you know, uh, tugs it a bit to make sure that there's no wrinkles, has a monocle in his eye, top hat, and basically gives a bow. And just she just shakes her head and goes, you always were a dramatic man and just gives him a smile as they walk off into Drogue Port. And we go through flashes of everything that happened. We go through where he was in prison, the scars on his head to communicate with friends. We see this woman, Yvette, basically controlling insects. We see her assist in this kind of escape where he went through a, no shit, a seven, uh, what was it? Seven skill challenges for a secondary skill challenge. And all of them were ridiculously high with DCs of 18, 19, 17 and skills he wasn't proficient in. With, uh, I believe the failure rate was uh, if he failed uh, three or more in the seven skill challenge, you die. We see that the plan goes off with him escaping from the room, doing a misty step, running around the corner, running away from Solomon, going into an alleyway, and we see that same Yvette disguised as some commoner, hiding her ears with a cowl over her head, hair dyed, slamming down a Leonin, a very different Leonin, with singes and burns in his hair, much like the changeling Leo that we know as she slams down this guy with a gag in his mouth tied up as Leo just goes past and runs down the alleyway. We see Solomon coming around the corner. She, he sees Leo, thanks the woman, drags him towards uh, Asmodai. Asmodai takes off the gag, the man pleads, and we go off to the execution where this man is decapitated with silver poured on top of him and gold on his head. Ah, uh, going off from uh, that, uh, going off from that, we uh, see like where he is right now with a missing arm and we just see or where a missing arm was. We see like a clockwork design of an arm and hand hissing and screaming as he puts his hand out to some poor beggar and gives him a little bit of money. After that, he grabs his hand and brings him up. We see the men talk and we see him walk with Gus and Yvette down a dirty street in a town so far, far away. And we're back to Asmodai. Asmodai, you didn't gain that knowledge. It was just like the revelation that the person you killed was more than likely not the changeling that you wanted to kill. And we're back to where you guys were. Ah, uh, there's that temper. <laughs> well... Uh, he takes a moment to compose himself, says, All right, well, here's what we're going to do. 
P1 and I have now access to lots of nobles who have resources outside of the city in other places that we can call upon to make ourselves a new headquarters. We're going to sail out of this city as soon as possible, and we're going to make a new hierarchy, and we're going to take all those that we deem are necessary, and we're going to get out of the city before it falls to ruin. Uh, I was always bored with that particular chapter of the book. <laughs> and we're going to have more established hierarchy, not a syndicate of a few people that all have equal votes, because you saw what mess I got you into. We'll talk about details once we get out of here, but how long is it going to take you to get these things loaded and out of here safely? And, yeah, he, uh, he starts looking around, does a few calculations in his head, and he says, all I need is three days. Three days, and we should be able to get most of these out. How about with more manpower? Can you cut that in half? Yeah, day and a half. All right, I'll move some of what men I can spare you away, and then we'll see if we can get any guards to assist. Actually, no. Guards will know nothing of this. Never mind. <laughs> uh, I'll see you. P1 and I will see what else we can muster up. Last two, two items. One, we need those blacksmiths. They're going to be essential to opening up our new businesses. The ones that the Jade Hand has blackmailed and is working in association with. What do they have on them? Uh, he answers it pretty easily. He goes, uh, Roy took their families away from them. Wives, daughters, boys. Gave them to some sick fucks. Have you heard of the Branded? <sighs> yes, I've heard of them. Where are they? Uh, in your, actually in your territory. And he points towards uh, the Jade Hills. They're in the Coliseum. They've been using the unseen public to get in and out while keeping uh, the porticoluses down to keep people from entering. Are they on our side, or, or are they on this side or the other side? Are uh, you talking uh, Unseen Public in reality? Yeah. Uh, he goes, more than likely, they're sick fucks. They're serial killers, murderers. They're probably on this side with the amount of drugs they've been doing. Uh, do you mind if I uh, tear off an arm here from this one? Because I need more dust, and I don't use drugs. Yeah, <laughs> he nods at you. All right, thank you. Going to crush that up, and I you tell me how many more uses I get. Uh, roll me a three d twenty plus five. Yeah, so thirty one. But that apply. Yeah, that applies for entering the unseen public. So you know, I was a bit shaky on it at first, but I am starting to see the benefits of this unseen public place. I hate this place. It's a nightmare. Uh, and I'm actually going to take like a handful, put in another bag, and give it to him. And go. I don't need this much. I'm going to give him, like, 15 uses back, because that's money now. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. p will just take in his bag and, like, with his other hand, just start, starts playing with his whiskers and just, like, I mean, I won't say no. And don't worry, we can split this amongst ourselves later. Uh, all right, we can get on that. I need to get those blacksmiths out. Mm. We'll deal with the branded... I'm guessing they're not going to negotiate very easily. Uh, and he shakes his head and says, uh, no. They're crazy enough to uh, idolize, deify a murderer. So I think that uh, you're going to have more luck just killing them. Hmm. 
We'll make a show out of it. It is a coliseum, after all. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, just so you know, the guards were not going to let in any of the wild ones over the bridge tomorrow, but uh, you guys are clear. Mm-hmm. Just nods, nods his head and actually asks you, uh, how familiar are you with the unseen public? Enough to know that it's not going to matter whether or not the guards are going to actually let them over the bridge. Yes and no. The, the more important thing is, the laws don't apply here. You're playing in a different ballpark. Oh, son of a gun. Hmm. Yeah, unfortunately, I already, I already have my sacrifice ready, so... It's yeah. <laughs> your funeral. There is a freeze-over period, though. Uh, whatever, it doesn't... <sighs> Like I said, I trust you enough. Uh, we need each other at the moment. Can we keep the backstabbing until we get out of this soon-to-be-forsaken place? So long as it doesn't make me more money to stab you in the back than it is for any gestures to the entire room, then to get all this, you're safe. Don't forget, I now know the secret, and I'm going to pay close attention to which ship this is going on. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, he uh, just nods at you and just goes, it, it's safe, my friend. I need someone to help out with guarding the ship. Doesn't do me much good to kill my help. No, and it doesn't do me much good to extort my the safest way out of here. <laughs> and he just nods at you and goes, I think we're at an understanding. Yes, we'll talk more business particulars once we're safely out of here. But uh, for now, and Asmund, I will hold out his hand. Mm. The three of us, indicating P1, mm. now control the new syndicate. <laughs> and he nods his head and goes, oh, this is going to be fun. And just roughly grabs your hand to shake it. <sighs> One last question before we head out and uh, I'll start sending my men your way. Who is Nix? Nix? And uh, scratches his head and goes... Uh, I'm I'm not too sure. Never heard of the name before. No, can't say I've ever heard of a Nyx fella. Out of character, I now just remembered who it is, but... Uh, That's fine. <laughs> yep. But I don't know that a character. Uh, unfortunate. Well, since we don't know who that is, can't find that person, then, yeah, the city's only going to to deal with more and more calamity. Although now that I'm thinking about it, walking back on a comment, you say the just like you said earlier that this place, the laws don't apply. Mm, nods his head, and he just uh, goes on to explain. We've had a few people get really high on some uh, shimmering, uh, shimmering gold or uh, uh, numb tongue, and uh, during the day of sacrifice, they actually lived. But and he gives you a grim smile. We kept that information to a need-to-know basis in the syndicate. So you could say they didn't die because of the day of sacrifice, if you catch my drift. Basically, uh, smoking a cigar and goes, I'm not familiar what the rules in this world is, but we haven't broken any yet. Doesn't seem like any of us have died from breaking a rule. Huh, interesting. There's like, uh, ponders on that for a moment, scratching underneath his beak. <laughs> mm, all right. Uh, what do you, do you guys have any more questions for Coldbeard? 
Beard, anything else you want to go over? Going straight to the Coliseum, what's the uh, game plan here? Well, C Cole Beard, you mentioned that this is worth more than what's in the, the big estate, right? And he nods his head. Do, do you happen to know if there's um, anything resembling the Apocal Flame in there? And he just gives you a strange look and goes, uh, well, the Jade Man said something about a painting, but I'm not really too knowledgeable on that. What was that again? And he uh, taps on his cheek and goes, oh yeah, he was uh, looking for uh, the girl, that, that one girl. Um, What what was her name? The, the one with the gang. She was kidnapped and all that. It's the daughter of the head of the black eyes. Yeah, that one. Some Something about a painting and her. Uh, that's, again... He really doesn't let much out except orders, and you, I overheard him talking to Roy about that, but that's it. Okay, well, me, we need to um, um bring this body back to Ephephel. Okay, buddy. <laughs> uh, yeah, and we'll leave. I just end with a few logistical things, like where does he want the men to meet, um, hmm. how to contact me, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You get all of it ironed out. It seems like you're going to be running an official like thing going on here. So not counting today, it will be a day and a half with that new help you're sending. So the next day and the day after in midday, so around three o'clock, uh, they should be all ready with the cargo. But for an exodus, depending on who you want to bring, there might not be enough room, which is a bridge you should uh, talk about when, you know, you have to cross it. It's like, a, uh, I guess, well, I guess while uh, Asmodai is like uh, talking logistics, uh, Piwan will just like look to Gene. It's like, uh, and say, it's, a, it's like, Gene. Uh, mm, nods his head. How does one come up? How does one figure out? How do we know the laws? <laughs> and he just gives you a long and pregnant stare or pregnant silence and he just uh, says for what i'm familiar with in Giuliano, there's a tablet they, they carved it in but uh now they mention it i don't know it seems like he gets lost in thought on you know how these laws are established and what the actual mechanics are it's just like if this place has its own laws mm -hmm. but then the other side does as well i would assume you guys are uh, leaving as you are pondering this and we go towards the Laban estate Asmodai you notice the dragon egg is no longer there Okay. Yeah, just something to mention. A big ass dragon is gone. Uh, Oridon, um, the reality seems to be thin. If you really want to, you could uh, go step back into reality and talk to uh, what's or nuts, uh, a Fethel. Which um, I'll have me hand me the body and I'll go in alone. Yep, you go in alone. We hear like uh, the creaking steps of the wood and we see this woman at a barrel and you see the barrel jumping back and forth, back and forth. And she just mumbles to herself. Ah, it's almost done. It's almost done. So, uh, I got another body. Am I good for a day? And she looks at you and gives you a sweet smile and goes, Why, of course, dearie. You are all good, Raka. And she ruffles your head. Basically, you know, puts her scaly hand over your head, ruffles it, and she opens up a new uh, barrel, and it seems to have a black visceral liquid in it. And she dunks it in. And uh, While is... she's doing that, I hurry over to it to watch her do it. Yep, you watch her do it, and uh, it's kind of like slime. It's sludge or slime, but it's black with, like, uh, if you stretch it out, it stretches like a broken egg, you know, like uh, that 
gooey fluid. And as it stretches with uh, the sticky water, you see that it's almost see-through, but has a white inside, but a black outside when it's concentrated. And she's basically uh, dunking it the same way a, uh, a person would wash clothes back in the day. Just, you know, shaking the body up and down, up and down in the barrel, trying to get it all over before she's ready to seal it. And you see the body's eyes open, mouth also opens as it screams and looks at you and struggles to get out. She pushes it in and puts like a cover on top. Are there any candles lighting this place? Yeah, we can say that there's candles lighting this place. I think like uh, there's a table nearby with a lot of research notes from a Feffel on uh, what she's doing. I guess I'll make my way over to the table and see if she does anything. Mm -hmm. She doesn't. She seems absorbed in her work. Uh, is she also has like a little notepad in her hand or some kind of uh, parchment paper that she's writing notes and observations. You could easily go over there. And I'll start just reading through her notes, not trying to hide it. Yep, you uh, go through the notes and it seems like she's studying a form of metamorphosis. And again, that word kind of it, it rings with familiarity as uh, when you went to the Scorched Hammer, you learned that the master blacksmith also worked with metamorphosis, but specifically with elements such as fire, lightning, ice, basically uh, forming these uh, elements of nature, these forces of nature's into a weapon. Uh, specifically what she is looking through, you see like a diagram of an egg and, uh, you know, like a, a person in a fetal position inside of those eggs. And it seems like she is working on some sort of transformation with these corpses. Uh, a similar vein of research to uh, 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 Gideon, Iron Drake and Nickel, in a sense, is some sort of human exp uh, experimentation, but towards uh, corpses. So I will open my flask that I have the water in yep. and hmm, see if anything in the notes resembles the liquid. Uh, it resembles the barrel in a sense, but for some reason, this one seems darker. Have you ever watched Full Metal Alchemist? No. Shit. Not enough to know references. Well, I was gonna, like, uh, if you ever seen the Philosopher's Stone in there, like, you see, like, an amalgamation of faces, tortured souls swarming together. That's the same thing you see there. Like, from a distance, it looks like a black liquid, but if you look up close, you see, like, faces forming and dissipating, swarming together. It's like a beehive, but with faces instead. Whatever you have, it is evil, concentrate, uh, concentrated. Are we about to wrap up? Yep. I'll drink it. You drink the water. And I think make me a constitution saving throw. What did you get? 16. 16, you grab your heart and we hear your heart beating and your skin start to, you see black spider web veins go across your hand and from your eyes and you start throwing up blood. We see blood coming down your nose, your eyes, your ears, out of your mouth. And it feels like uh, you ate something that's living. You feel it squirming down your stomach. And I think we end with the note of you like grabbing the table, but your bloody hands slipping off of it and you go to the ground and you start throwing up blood and we cut to black. Um, before we end and uh, do our thing, um, I wanna also mention, like again, back to uh, the Leo's uh, uh, secondary skill challenge. That was done before uh, you did your interrogation with him, uh, Asmodai. That's why I asked you uh, a lot of the specifics of how you would imprison him so we could uh, figure out whether, you know, he would live or die uh, on the execution day. But uh, if you're curious about his secondary skill challenge, uh, he had one failure, and that was sleight of hand at the beginning. DC was 14, he rolled a 9. Did a performance check, got a nat 20. Uh, he stealthed around to uh, fool the guards. 
That was a DC 18. He rolled a 19. A deception check with a DC uh, 18. He rolled an 18. Arcana of 16 rolled a 17. Acrobatics 17. He rolled a 21. That probably would have been a secondary failure, but he still would have succeeded. And uh, persuasion was a DC 19. He rolled a 19. It it was not an easy uh, skill challenge. It was probably one of the most harder ones since he couldn't afford many failures. He could only afford three. Yet there were seven checks he had to go through with a severely high DC for most of them. Um, that's it. The end is near. Season two is going to come to a close. Our first overarching campaign will be ending shortly. The next couple episodes will be the finale, essentially. Unfortunately enough, this comes with a price. We are going to be losing a player, but also gaining two more. We are going to be going on a hiatus to test the waters with one another to understand each other's chemistry. So until then, another episode won't come out. But if you wait patiently, I can give you something to close on. It may not be satisfying, but it will be closure. Thank you for listening. Until next time. This has been House Common Blood. The intro and outro music by Savic, Oh My Dog. Any music and sound effects used in the episode are royalty-free. Credits can be found in the episode description. Please review us on whatever podcast listening app you happen to be using. And if you like us, tell other people. Word by mouth is the best way for us to grow. Thank you for joining us. Now I have to get back to making my 40k army so I can wipe chaos off the map.